All right, and we are back with another episode. Uh, to get us started off, I got a little bit of history. On this day in history, in 2005, Bob Eager, is that how you pronounce his last name, or Iger? I think it's Iger, but I can't remember. Yeah, well, Bob Iger was named the head of Disney in 2005. And I put that because you kind of think about where Disney was. It's such a huge turning point of what Disney was and like what it is now. I mean, it was, it was big and you know, the Disney Channel was huge and everything, but right now it's like, a, it's a it's a mammoth, you know, it's yeah. huge. It's different level and Bob is gone. Absolutely. Right, right, right. He was kind of at the start of that. Um, and then secondly, um, another movie related thing, Captain America Winter Soldier uh, premiered on this date in 2014 in Los Angeles. And that one went on to be a pretty big film, so. Yes, that was my entry into the MCU, like my, as like a fan. Yeah, yeah, I feel like a lot of people got into it with that one. Yeah, definitely a great movie. Wild to think that 2014 is eight years ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we won't get into that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Brandon likes film. Lauren prefers TV. Together, they chronicle life in a peak entertainment era. Welcome to It's a Streamable Life. If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Streamable, it's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. Episode 9 of Season 5 will discuss HBO's latest series, Winning Time, which chronicles the fantastical tale of how Jerry Booth built the Los Angeles Lakers in the late 70s. But first, we're going to get into our headlines. Uh, what do you have on your docket this week? My headlines, just got a couple of things. Um, so right now, South by Southwest is going on in Texas, down in Austin. And um, we talked about this film uh, a while ago, but everything, everywhere, all at once, the film that uh, kind of has like a, man, I don't even know what to say. It's, it's very Matrix-like. Mm-hmm. But I say that to talk about the directors uh, of Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner, I think is how you pronounce the last name. Um, they were actually approached before this movie to do Loki. Like there are meetings, they had meetings with Marvel to do Loki oh. and they turned that down to focus on this movie that has now come out. They kind of said that they wanted to make their own multiverse movie. So um, the movie was set, they said the meeting was set and they went, but uh, they just, yeah, they they were trying to do their own thing. And uh, this is all from IndieWires where I've got that source. So yeah, I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. That is, and it seems like it's paying off because I've heard nothing but good things about that film so far. Right, right. Okay, and then secondly, um, Brittany Snow, the actress, has a directorial debut and for her film September 17th, and the first person, um, Kid Cudi, is going to be in it. Well, Scott Meskety is his real name, um, and these two are in a new movie by A24 called X, which comes out, ooh, I want to say sometime this spring. I can't remember, but um, yeah, I'd, uh, the, the, the basis of this movie is, uh, I'm reading this from Variety, September 17th falls a woman named Riley who struggles with food and body image issues 
and has recently been discharged from rehab. She soon, she soon meets Ethan and must navigate the line between unconditional love and a new addiction. Snow directs the film from a screenplay she co-wrote with someone else. So um, this just kind of continues Kid Cudi's uh, path to being an actor. I mean, he's still doing both. He's obviously very talented, so. Right, right. And good for Britney Snow. Like she's finding like yeah. a path, you would say, in, in the film industry. That's interesting. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Um, then there were two that I had left. I'm just going to do one because the other one is a pretty big one. And I feel like you may hit on this. But um, in Russia, with everything going on, Russia has um, stopped allowing their citizens to use Instagram after Meta, which is Facebook, um, allowed posts with like, you know, rhetoric against Putin and the Russian troops. And this has had like a huge, huge backlash because um, there aren't many apps that are more popular in Russia than Instagram and you know influencers and different people who make their who have income from Instagram have come out and been like you know this is this is going to ruin my life you know uh, along with the sanctions you know I, there's no way to recover from this and um, this is just a further further uh, uh, <laughs> this situation with Ukraine and Russia just keeps getting crazier and crazier by the day, so. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's very strange. Alrighty, on my docket, let's see. Um, I know we had mentioned Bob Iger just in the previous segment, and Disney is a much bigger uh, animal than it was in 2005. Yes. Um, and their new leader, Bob Chappick, sort of found himself in hot water dealing with the whole don't say gay bill in Florida. Uh, yeah, yeah. Many folks were waiting for Disney to say something um, against the bill. Um, and they were mainly quiet and then revealed that, you know, they were working behind the scenes to sort of detour the bill. And uh, Chappick said he met with DeSantis and that they were going to focus on their content to, you know, battle the sort of um, conservative views of this bill. And yeah. um, employees from Pixar and Disney Animation came out and said, that's some bullshit. Um, <laughs> they called Chappick's statement tone deaf and spoke about how um, Disney has always, um, well, for the most part, limited the, the amount of gay characters they could have on screen in their stories so right, it kind right. of backfired on them um, yeah absolutely and he had to apologize and now disney is looking to sort of uh, stifle the political funds that they receive from certain politicians in florida um wow. to sort of force their hand so we'll see how that all shapes up florida what a state yes um, in similar news from Disney to DC, um, they changed their whole film slate um, due to COVID delays with the special effects and CGI. So most of the films that are coming out this year for DC and Warner Brothers have been shifted to next year. And then Shazam, surprisingly, the sequel has been pushed up to this year. So... If you were planning to see Aquaman in December, you have to wait till March of next year now. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, I it it's kind of crazy um, that yeah. over this still. I mean, we're still in the pandemic. 
people. We're still, yeah, yeah. It's still very much a thing. Especially um, people want to believe that we're not. We are definitely still in the pandemic. Exactly. Um, and then lastly, I think the biggest <laughs> headline last week was the sentencing of uh, Jesse Smollett, the former actor, a former Empire actor for um, allegedly lying to police about a fake crime, hate crime he allegedly right. conspired. Um, he was sentenced to 300 days of probation and 150 days in jail. And uh, many people feel the sentencing was a bit harsh, especially the jail time, because there was yeah. no real crime committed. Um, nobody was hurt. Nobody was defrauded or anything like that. So things have gone a, a bit um, odd. Now, allegedly, he's been moved to the psych ward of the Cook County Jail because they believe he could harm himself. Um, and he had stated before being let out of the courtroom that, you know, if something happened to him, he did not commit suicide. He's not suicidal. Right, right. Just prayers to that whole situation because it's it's becoming something that it didn't have to become. Yeah, it was nuts from the jump. It was just like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, it's it's still very strange, that whole ordeal and how they're handling it and right. everything. So, yes. Moving on um, to the obits, uh, this week we had um, two surprising celebrity deaths. First, um, Tracy Braxton passed away at 50 um, due to cancer. She was one of the sisters of singer-actress Toni Braxton. Um, many knew her from the Braxton Family Values TV show um, and her own music, so um, condolences to that family. And then today, um, we hear that William Hurt, Oscar-winning actor, Ooh. passed away. Um, and he was 71 years old, which was a surprise to everyone. They haven't said really released the uh, cause of death but um yeah but man what a what a, a resume man body heat uh that's the first one that comes to mind for me i remember him in that yeah and he he sort of had a run um in the 80s where he won yeah. an oscar for uh kiss of the spire woman and was nominated for two other films right and most recently was nominated uh, for best supporting actor for history of violence a few years yeah. ago yeah and then many of the gen this generation knew him as um uh general ross in the marvel film so right and the, he was in the big chill and then the one with uh marley matlin children of a lesser god yes that was that either, movie yeah he, that was either uh oscar nomination he was awarded yeah, so condolences to his family. Um, a big, right. big loss for the film industry. And speaking of the film industry, it is award season, as you know, and there were two big award shows this weekend. Um, the first was the DGA, the Director Guild Association Awards. I think that's what it's called. I hope I said that right. Yeah, yeah okay. the DGAs, yeah. Yes, and um, at this point, in the race wins here usually more than likely mean they're going to win the oscar so um jane campion took the top prize at the dga awards for the power of the dog um and basically those nominations mirrored the oscar nominations other than uh dennis Vin 
Villanueva's doom was replaced with uh, Hamaguchi's Drive My Car for the DGAs. So she's uh, racking up the the awards for this film. Um, yeah. Some other big takeaways, Barry Jenkins uh, won for The Underground Railroad. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal won for Best First Feature. And in the upset, Stanley Nelson won Best Documentary Feature for Attica over um, Questlove's Summer of Soul. And then we also have the BAFTA Awards, where, um, uh, again, this lay in the game, this sort of shows who's going to win the Oscars for the most part. Jane Campion took uh, Best Film for The Power of the Dog Mm -hmm. and Best Director. And then Leading Actor was Will Smith for King Richard. We know he also won, um, previously won, what was it? The SAG Award. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the BAFTAs is is a pretty big deal. So he's basically a shoo-in now for um, the Oscar. And we also saw repeat awards for supporting. We have Troy Kotzer again for CODA and Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. I think um, I saw that. Um, uh, somebody else, I saw somebody else won something. They'll come to me later, probably. Okay. Um, Dune racked up pretty well at the BAFTAs, winning five yeah. of the craft awards, including um, cinematography, special effects, and I believe it was cost production design. And I'm trying to see now, Joanna Scanlon won for leading actress for After Love. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I Might be a British film. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's it's getting to. We're only uh, days away from the Oscars, so um, the, these are basically lining up to see who's going to take take those golden men home. So look, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be an interesting um, thing all around, not just for the awards themselves and who gets them, but you know. The host situation, we'll see how that plays out. That should be pretty interesting too. Yes, uh, the Oscars have set three hosts in Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall. So hopefully for these women and the future of the show, the hosting goes well. Right. All right, that brings us to trailer things. Um, The biggest trailer of last week was the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. This is for Disney Plus's new Star Wars series, limited series, starring Ewan McGregor in the role as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which he played in the prequel trilogy films from the late latter 90s. Um, My Star Wars lore is very shallow, but this looks very good. Yeah, it does look good. And I'm right there with you. The way Star Wars jumps around and time hops, I never know what's going on but yeah this does look like it should be pretty good yeah as soon as duel of the fates played i was in because that song despite the film being you know questionable the song was amazing so um that arrives on the platform on may 25th and then we also got a teaser for apple's second season of tehran and this is about a um uh israeli spy who infiltrates iraq um it's a little espionage thing um the first season was pretty decent i think it was eight episodes if i'm not mistaken 
Um, and this season they've added Glenn Close to the cast. So, hello. Yeah. Uh, Stepping it up. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Apple is definitely building um, a catalog of content there. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the Batman scored the top the box office again this weekend with 238 million domestically and its worldwide uh count is up to 400 million yeah so um it's doing rather well and i think its drop was only about 41 percent for the second weekend which compared to like spider-man and way home and some other films was much better um, i think some other films were dropping at least 50 percent of the profit in their second weekend. So it's holding up pretty well. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll get into our next segment here with our pick six. What uh, titles were you watching last week? Okay, so I did not get to anything yet, but I did catch up on stuff that I needed to. And I finally was able to catch up and finish Wonder Years. And I think you spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, and it, it was it was very good. It was so good. So I'm I'm glad I got that done. Um, you know, is yeah, it's very good show. Mm -hmm. um, single drunk female. I had just fallen behind in episodes, but um, I I didn't know what to expect from this show. I thought it was just going to be like another, um, just a, like another free form show that they have on their their channel, but. It's actually really good. I think it's well written and it's it is very funny and the cast is good and uh, um, some aspects of it, you know, kind of trying to figure way out when you're in your late 20s, early 30s is very relatable. So um, I like it and I, I don't know what happens if they have another season or what, but we'll see. And then a show that has been out for months and I just don't use Prime that often, <laughs> but um, Hannah on Amazon about the young girl who is since birth been trained to be this incredible spy that can just beat the shit out of everybody. And it's been a really interesting show to, to track because you know the character and the young lady who plays her have both, they're growing up. So they're kind of going through the same thing at the same time. Like she's becoming a young woman in the show and in real life. So it's kind of interesting to see, you know, this person grow up but it's really good I, and I, I i enjoy it so i think this was probably the last season i imagine and uh i've got a couple more episodes to knock out but yeah i got to that so very good okay and i would definitely agree with you that wonder years is a great show and this past yeah. episode uh, black teacher i don't think i've ever seen that on tv before right. like that scenario those conversations Right. Um, it was just really good because it still has the like family i don't want to say hokey but kind of just like really heartwarming vibe of wonder years so mm -hmm. they've ever they're able to capture that with just with black people and you know add in what they went through and it's really good it's really it's, it's extremely easy to watch like <laughs> yeah and at times i feel like it's it does what Blackish wants to do, but better. Because Blackish felt yes. like he was trying to articulate Blackness for for the white gaze. And this, yeah. this just depicting Blackness 
because as it is because yeah. it is exactly all right all right um as i mentioned before um i wa- finally finished uh the genius docu series on oh Netflix. yeah yeah um the third act really surprised me um i was anxious because we just know the Kanye as of late and sort of the, the antics and um the public persona but uh the filmmakers actually were able to sort of humanize him in a way we don't get to see and we for i mean people know but they don't really understand that he is living with a mental um illness illness so it was nice to see him like out of the spotlight and sort of you know, articulate himself. And there were there were certain parts where you could see him sort of um, cascading into the illness and the filmmakers were smart enough to stop because they didn't feel that was something the viewers needed to see. And I, I would agree, like no one wants to see that sort of, it felt exploitative. Right, um, right, exactly. And there's a moment where the filmmaker believes Filmmaker states that, you know, um, Kanye tells him that, you know, after this, once he met the success of, you know, college dropout late registration, he talked about how he was going to play a role for the media. And I think there's very much sort of like this person he portrays in public and in the person that he is behind the scenes. So right. it gave me a better idea of like, not everything is what we think it is, sort of as a cliche, but it was it was a very well done um, documentary. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then I watched the first episode of The Thing About Pam on NBC. This is their limited true crime series um, about Pam Hupp um, and the death of her friend and everything. And it, it was interesting. It's definitely a dark comedy. Like that's the tone they're going for. Um, They even have Keith Morrison narrating, who we know is from Dateline. Yeah, yeah. That sort of rubbed me the wrong way. I'd rather just see it play out like as a show without that. Because it just feels like another extension of Dateline. And that's, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I feel like they could have done something else. Because Dr. Death was really good. That was on Peacock. And didn't have any of those any of that styling um but we'll see where it goes i think it's eight episodes long so we'll just see where it takes us and yeah then- i oh i was just, oh, my bad i was just gonna say i saw that on hulu and i had forgotten all about it so i have to uh, hop into that get into it yeah it, it's interesting i still feel like they could have found someone else other than renee zellweger in his fat suit but yeah because it just looks weird um yeah. And then Apple has a series called The Last Days of Potomac Gray. Um, this is based on Walter Mosley novel of the same name. And it stars Samuel Jackson as Gray, who is an aging man who is suffering a debilitating uh, form of Alzheimer's, where, you know, he, he can forget things while he's doing them. And he... F- he uh, is given this medicine that allows him to collect his memories, but um, there's certain side effects. It's a very interesting um, show and a very interesting role for Jackson because he normally doesn't play 
ailing or vulnerable um, mm. characters. So it's it's interesting. The supporting cast is good. Um, you have Dominique Fishback, um, Marsha Stephanie Blake, um, a Walton Goggins. So it is. I believe there's two episodes out so far. Um, and it's very interesting. I, f- I feel like Samuel's doing some of his best acting here. And this is, I believe, his first TV series. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. It- it's interesting. All right. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into our no concessions. All right, we are back. And for no concessions, was, were there any uh, movies you watched last week you wanted to recommend or anything? Uh, not really. Can't think of anything. Um, I did try to watch the stuff on HBO Max again, and it still gave me some problems. So I don't know what's going on there, but hopefully it straightens itself out so I can finish these films before the Oscars. But other than that, yeah, I didn't watch too many too many movies or anything so try to get something this week <laughs> yeah same here i was trying to catch up on a lot of tv that i missed so i'll try to get to them um i know i wanted to watch west side story but i just didn't get the time um so maybe next week since it'll be the last week <laughs> before the Oscars. yeah right right with some of them all right, we're previously on. We've got the second episode of Killing Eve. Um, what are your thoughts on the season so far? I'm not interested. Like, I, it's good. It's still Killing Eve, but that break, the two-year gap or however long the gap was kind of just killed it for me. Like, I, I just was, I just don't feel as interested as I have been with other shows that had the same break. I don't know. This, yeah it's just me i feel you it 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 feels sort of as long as as long as it was gone i'm having trouble of like keeping up with the plot where we left off and where it is now uh, right and i don't i don't know like i thought the premiere was a two episode premiere so like yeah but it's not, and I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. I've been trying to. I I got AMC Plus over the Christmas break because I had like a discount on Amazon, so there you can get the episodes early. So they're already up to like episode four over there. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so I've watched up to episode three. It's getting a bit more interesting, but um, yeah. The second episode was entitled "Don't Get Eaten." Um, you have Eve finds, uh, Helen, um, with this plot to find whoever is at the top of the 12. And it yeah. turns out that Helen is also searching for who's in charge. Cause I don't think, I think the hierarchy, like you never know exactly. Like who it, who it is. Who is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Correct. Um, so she's also trying to figure this out and still someone's killing the members. I wish we were seeing that because that's what yeah. throwing me off. They're saying they're killing, someone's killing the 12, but we're not seeing these fe- folks die. Yeah, so that's kind I, of agree, I agree. Um, and then I didn't realize Fiona defected from 
MI5 or whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't realize that's what happened. Um, so I guess she sort of was, she kind of was feeding information to someone else to get to the 12th. I don't know. But yeah. she's basically looking for Kenny's killers as well. Um, and Villanelle's path to Christ failed as she killed the priest and his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> um that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was very crazy. Um, she definitely misunderstood the whole forgiveness and like washing of the sins thing. Um, and now she's on trying to find Eve again because she's she's sort of lost, I guess you'd say. And that's sort of like the the odd thing, like the whole series has been about these two very complex but strong women. And yeah, one of them, basically everyone's favorite, is sort of like just sort of deflating, I guess you'd say. Right, it's, right. It's kind of odd. So um, and then there's the corner character, Pam, who Eve believes is like the new 12 recruit or whatnot. Yeah. It's just a lot of players. I'm trying to figure out where they all, where they, how they fit in. And, yeah, yeah. I th- I think the I think the problem is with the show in general. It almost feels like the hype around it and like almost the how do you say it? What it had prior to the pandemic feels like it got washed out by shows that came during the pandemic you know what i mean it's just like yeah it's hard to build it's definitely steam right exactly the killing eve was sort of like that standout show and now it's sort of just like waiting to be done right it's like oh it's back okay right and that's that's the problem with like the peak entertainment like there is so much other good and even great stuff that things are going to fall by the wayside mm-hmm. yeah so we'll see where it goes i might end up binging and seeing that's another thing like some shows are just better without ads most shows are better without ads like it's just yeah, very true <laughs> so different for certain certain shows and killing eve is one of them i think but yeah, um, I've, I've gotten up to episode three and it's taking some interesting turns. Um, uh, this Yusuf character. Yeah. He's he's interesting. I've never heard of him. Um, allegedly, he's like a singer and an actor overseas. So hmm. his name's Robert Gilbert. Um, the other start to sort of touch on other characters that we were, were familiar with in episode three. So um, we'll just have to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. And then for our feature presentation, we're discussing HBO's newest series, um, Winning Time. And this is based on the book by um, Jeff Perlman entitled well, the book's called Showtime, The Rise of the Los 
well, it's, the tie is a lot longer. We'll just call it Showtime. But the series is Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, basically focused on the house that Jerry Buss built on the likes of Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, and then what would become sort of like the Lakers dynasty that would eventually incorporate, you know, Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and last for the present with LeBron James. Uh, what did you think of this premiere episode? I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Uh, like I said, I ruined it by reading reviews before I watched the show, but I thought the acting was good. The uh, Oh, what's his name? Is it John C. Riley? Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was pretty funny in his role. And um, everybody kind of did what they had to do. And it got the story across. The I, I'm always weirded out by breaking the fourth wall. Like sometimes it works, other times it seems somewhat mm -hmm. like cheesy. And I guess we'll see how it goes in the rest of this series. But right now it's it's okay, but it can get annoying after a while. But um yeah, no, I like I like how it's styled too. The kind of fuzzy look to it, try to give it the '70s vibe and everything. It's it's good so far. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm definitely getting a, a history lesson as no, neither one of us were around for right, right this time. Um, and I think this one of the strong points is the casting. You they had mm -hmm. to find someone that resembles you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They had to find someone that resembles Magic Johnson. Yeah. Um, and they they basically did that. Um, I I'm very interested in how all this came together. How it was a big risk, of course, and basically Jerry changed the face of the NBA because until yeah, then, like it was very much fundamentals and dribble and shoot and Jerry West and none of that sort of showmanship i guess you'd say right and the 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 how would you say it just the change in of course the the way of their playing but the changing of the guards between the guy who had it before jerry bus like that mm -hmm. guy was oh my god that that scene when they were eating that damn fish man i was like oh yeah this is pissing me off yeah it was definitely the good old boys um, right exactly that's a good yeah, one. That entire scene and i'm happy that you know uh quincy isaiah as magic wasn't with it he saw it for what it was right right he knew his worth and he was out um i really enjoyed that i love the chemistry or the relationship um magic has with his dad that whole sort of different view of workmanship and what it means to be valued. I thought that was interesting. Um, the uh, way the women are portrayed here. We know it's the 70s. Right. We know it was it was hard as a working woman or harder, um, especially in that type of industry. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm definitely here to see what happens next because this is all new to me and I'm I'm ready to see you know what quote unquote really happened right no i i agree at um oh another one oh what was this that scene where they're at the party and he was with the other laker the guy that kept beating him in basketball 
Yes, um, that's uh, being portrayed as Norman Nixon, who is yes, actually yeah, being played by his son, Devon. Wow, that's insane. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a good scene and kind of changed the um, how, it, how it kind of knocked him down a peg and made him question, you know, this is what he really wanted to do. And then he saw him come back and everything. And I think we're going to get some really good scenes in terms of just drama and how all these people relate to one another. Yeah, definitely. Because it, it was really, it was a, a turn point culturally, like the 70s, which is a wild time, like people were just, you know, sort of sipping on like what liberal meant and um, right and coming out of the war and everything and yeah yeah it's going to be very interesting yeah it's it's going to be interesting I agree yeah Um, but but yeah I'm down for I'm I'm gonna finish I'm gonna obviously watch it and try not to let these uh reviews that I read sway me in any way because you know those people they get like the first four episodes and Mm -hmm. they watch it and so uh, you know, just an episode at a time, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Winning Time airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. on HBO and HBO Max. And speaking of sports, um, what are some of your favorite sport-themed series or films? Oof, that's a tough one. There is one that we had, I, we watched it all the time as, like, kids, um, <laughs> Green Street Hooligans is about soccer teams and just how like fanatics for soccer teams and how they stick together and everything. And as a kid, it was really kind of interesting. Probably not the best movie now. Um, she got to throw some Disney ones in there. Maybe remember Double Team with the twins? Yes. And I think, <laughs> I think recently someone posted clips from that movie on Twitter and it was like, why do we think they were actually out there with skills? Like, yeah, uh, they're horrible. They're horrible. Horrible to watch it now. It's like, yikes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Disney Channel was like chock full of sports movies. That, oh, yeah. The, uh, the Johnny Tsunami. Johnny Tsunami. Brink. Brink. Yes. Brink. Yes. Brink was the original Disney movie. <laughs> Yes. Um, oh. And and then when I think of sports films, just as a kid, it seemed to be something specifically for the 90s because you had like Angels in the Outfield. You had Little Giants. Yeah. Um, was it called The Rookie where the kid was like a pitcher? Was that? Or am I mistaken? Uh, I can't remember. I think I've got the wrong title. No, hold on. Let me see. The Rookie... Okay, there was two story about a coach that's no, that's the one with Dennis Quaid. What was the one with yeah. the kid? It came out around the same time as Angels in the Outfield, but he was the pitcher. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, yeah, I know what exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, yeah, it, I can't, yeah. the 90s was just full of them. And then, of course, you get Remember the Titans. Yeah, um, yeah. People really love Coach Carter. I I saw yeah. that once or twice, but it wasn't one of my favorites. Um, oh, yeah. oh, I found it. You're talking about Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that kid was, 
in everything. Yeah, absolutely. And um, then which one call it the Mighty Ducks? You know, they made what three of those? Yes. Yeah. That that, that series they put that on every day in wise care after school. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not a sports movie, but it's one of my favorite '90s movies, and it would not fly today. But Heavyweights was one of the funniest movies of that era. Yes, and it's not sports, but it's definitely in that sort of yeah, that same arena. But that's that was really like child abuse. Yeah, yes, it was. It was so bad. Child um, abuse for laughs. Um, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, as we said, Winning Time airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. on HBO and HBO Max. Uh, Riley, before we get out of here, where are you streaming for the weekend? Um, well, I'm not going to be able to do it, but um, I a couple summers ago, I started a show called Call the Midwife on PBS, and it is about <laughs> nuns and that are nurses in London, in East London, and like it follows them, follows them from like the 50s to 60s to 70s. It's really interesting. I was just bored and started watching it, but the 10th season starts on Sunday, and I am only on season six. So uh, I am not going to make up all that because the seasons are long as hell, but that's what I'll be watching this week into the weekend just to try to catch up some ground. So. All right. And for me, um, on NBC, Young Rock returns for its second season. So I want to try at least watch that on Hulu next day if I can catch it live. Yeah. Um, and then HBO Max has this new series called Minks. Um, I hadn't heard anything about it until I listened to a podcast. And basically it's about, uh, sort of discusses in a fictional version of the feminist nude magazines that came out in the 70s so i did not know that playgirl was originally a woman's magazine until they sold it to like a gay company in the 80s yeah right right that was i remember reading something about that it didn't sell until it got to the gays yeah (laughs) so so minx is about like a a woman who creates a fictional magazine that's directed at women and explore like the themes of feminism and sexual liberation um as a half hour comedy so i'm gonna try to check that out and allegedly you know it's doing the whole equal opportunity for nudity thing so so does that more dicks than euphoria apparently so uh, what channel this is hbo or hbo max i think it's i think it's the hbo max original Okay. And then movie-wise, Friday we get Master on Amazon, starring Regina Hall. We got Uma in theaters, starring Sandra Oh, and X actually comes out on the 18th as well. Okay. So it's a little horror film trifecta. A lot going on, so much. Exactly. Um, and then next week, as we inch closer to the Academy Awards, we will discuss the politics of the Oscars through a quote from Samuel L. Jackson himself, who is an Oscarless actor um, to this day, the highest grossing actor of all time. 
mm-hmm. does not have a, an Academy Award. Yeah, that's that's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, and he'll actually be getting an honorary Oscar at the Governor Awards this month, two days before the actual ceremony. But it'll be interesting to discuss what he sort of brought up um, in the interview. So that what will that's what we'll be discussing next week in our preparation for the Oscars. Until then, keep on streaming. Peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get streamable life.